If I ask you this morning uh, what the right disposition for your coming to communion or what your attitude was and ought to be as you come to communion, how many of you would be able to respond quickly? Most Protestants, and most of us here are, most of us have stopped thinking about it, really. In fact, I think for most Protestants, their thoughts are petrified when they come to the Eucharist. They haven't changed their mind and, since they were children about it. If I ask you uh, what the right attitude was, what disposition you would have, some would say, probably, I want to come remembering. Isn't that what it says on the front of the table? I asked my grandmother once, I said, Grandmother, what do Methodists, and I, that could apply to all Wesleyans, I said, what do Wesleyans uh, believe about the Lord's Supper? This was back when I was about 15. And she said, well, honey, this is East Texas now. Well, honey, she said, I don't rightly know. Uh, I know we don't believe as much as the Catholics. <laughs> and I think we believe a little more than the Baptists. But I never have any, had anybody explain it to me so that I could understand it. So I guess it's just like it says on the front of the table. It's just a remembrance. Is that all it is? Can't we do better than just thinking back on Jesus? Or just calling Jesus to mind? Doesn't remembrance mean more than that? And then some people would say, in fact, I think most Protestants would say, particularly adults or people in puberty, it's a time of repentance. I mean, Jesus has done this awful thing for us, and we're so awfully bad that he did such something so awful for us that we ought to be sorry when we come to communion. Can't we do better than that? just being sorrowful or telling God how bad we are when God is trying to tell us how loved we are. Somebody say amen to that. And then people that are a little bit more educated and perhaps have thought about it since they were 15 would think this way. It's a time to come and say thanks. In fact, the church named the Lord's Supper the Great Thanksgiving. The Great Thanksgiving the Eucharist. I don't think many of us, particularly Protestants, would think in, this term, in these terms, though. That when we come to the Lord's Supper, when we think of coming to the table of the Lord, we come expecting to meet Jesus Christ here in a real and living way. Not many of us would come anticipating meeting Jesus Christ at this table. What a novel idea, really. I remember as a boy, I, I, was, I was lucky. Just after I talked to my grandmother and got nothing out of her, I picked up a book uh, by J.B. Phillips. Now, in my day, J.B. Phillips was famous. You don't even know who he is. He wrote a book called Our God is Too Small. He also translated the New Testament. I'll tell you some stories about that as we get into the year. But he also wrote a book about the Lord's Supper. It's called An Appointment with God. Let me read you what he wrote in this book. 
The Eucharist, he says, is a planned meeting place in time and space with the real life of God. Listen to this. The fresh life of Jesus. Jesus, this morning, comes to this table to meet us here. Now, you say, well, was, was uh, J.B. Phillips a Wesleyan? Well, he was an Episcopalian, just like John Wesley was. This is what... By the way, Wesley never joined a Methodist church. John Wesley, John Wesley said it this way. When we come to the, to the Eucharist, by the way, he said this in the afternoon of the 28th of June, 1740. When we come to the Eucharist, Christ comes to us in every manner of his grace. He comes calling us, Wesley said. He comes forgiving us. And he comes cleansing us, empowering us in our lives. Every manner of grace is here, Mr. Wesley said. And listen to this. The blessed Jesus comes with hands full of miracles and every miracle full of mercies. Isn't that great, a great statement? Full of miracles. Can you come to Jesus this morning expecting a miracle in your life? Some of you need it the first week of seminary. <laughs> Let me say another word about, I, I was hard on Daisy Lanier, my grandmother. Let me say a word about remembrance. For the Jews, remembrance was more than just thinking back. It was a kind of reenactment. And by the way, I know all about reenactments. I come from Virginia. In the Mishnah, it reads, that's the, the writing down of the, the oral tradition of the Jews, actually the oral tradition of the time of Jesus. It reads like this. In every generation, a man must so regard himself at the Passover as if he came forth from Egypt itself. That's the way the Jews understood it. A reenactment every time they sat down at Passover. They were reenacting that first event. Jesus isn't into reenactments. Jesus says of that first Passover, let's do it again. Let's do it all over again. And there is a text for this. It should be written across every communion table. It's a better text than this one. Listen to it from 2 Timothy verse 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Didn't Jesus say, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Is this the one place he's not? I had a, a, a pastor once say to me, who understood the Eucharist, he said, I don't believe Jesus would have ever thrown a dinner in his own honor and not shown up for it. Isn't that good? That's profound theology. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The same Jesus you spoke to before you got out of bed this morning will meet you here. It's not about what happens to the bread. It's what happens to you. I spent five years doing a Ph.D. on the Eucharist. I read thousands and thousands of pages about what happened to bread and wine at the table of the Lord and less than 500 pages on what happened to people here. 
Jimmy White, who's the great liturgist for the Wesleyans, he said that John Wesley understood the real presence at the altar as the real presence of a real encounter. He comes with miracles in his hands. He comes with miracles in his hands and every miracle full of mercy. Anybody need that this morning? Jesus comes with all of his history in him. We don't have to think back on Jesus. Jesus comes himself as the virgin birth. He comes himself as crucified. He comes himself as risen from the dead. He comes himself as ascended and our priest at the right hand of God. He comes with all of his history in him. I had this illustrated by an African-American pastor when I was a young fellow in, in Texas as a youth director. I be loud with his name, and he be loud. I be loud had a, the largest uh, United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas at that time. I, I, sh I should say the second largest after Highland Park. I be loud had a TV program, and I, Highland Park didn't have one. Thousands and thousands of people came to that church. I was bold enough. Can you imagine this? In 1966, I called Ivy Loud and asked him to come and speak to my youth department. I was a youth director. I had a, we were having a youth revival. We called it uh, LSD, Lord Save the Day. It was back in the... <laughs> Well, the Lord was about to save us, and I.B. Loud was going to help. I.B. Loud drove up to the church in a black limousine with a chauffeur. He, he had a black suit on, a black vest with a watch chain. He was, back before it was even popular, he shaved his head, and he was a big man, about 6'6". He walked in, and he just took over. I mean, he was the pastor of the second largest United Methodist church in, in, in the whole state. And he took over. He walks into my pulpit. Here are all these little white kids sitting here with their eyes open, you know. And here comes I. B. Loud, the great preacher. Gets up and he tells this story. It'll illustrate that Jesus comes with all of his history in him. He said that uh, there were, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus and Lazarus died, he said. Jesus showed up a little late for the funeral. In fact, the funeral was already over. And Martha, she met him in the garden, and she said, Lord, Lord, she said, if you'd have been here, our, my brother wouldn't have died. By this time, I'd be loud, was leaning out over the pulpit, looking into the eyes of the, of the young people. And he said, the Lord said to Martha, Martha, don't you believe you're going to see your brother again? Yes, Lord, at the resurrection. Jesus reaches out and takes Martha's hands, his, his, Martha's face in his hands, and he says, Martha, darling, you're looking at the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus comes with all of his history in him. It's not thinking back on Jesus the real presence of, of a real encounter with Jesus Christ. And so the Lord Jesus comes this morning to feed us under the sign of who he is and what he's done as the bread of life himself.
Come expecting Jesus this morning. Come with hungry hearts. Come expecting Jesus to feed you. Mr. Wesley has said this, and I take it directly from his journal. Those for whom this meal is meant are those who know and who feel that they want and need the grace of Almighty God. There are people here that are unworthy to come. And you shouldn't come. Those who are unworthy to come this morning are those who think you are worthy. Luther said that. If you don't know your need for Almighty God, you shouldn't come. If you don't feel your unworthiness of Christ, you must not come. Those who think they are worthy are those who are not. So come, you who feel and need the grace of God this morning. Come and feast yourself on the one whose name is love, who has done this terrible thing, this wonderful thing, that you might be full of joy and thanksgiving. Amen.